This is the Big Pond. The ring band is really a, a symbol of Berlin because uh, it goes around the city and so it, it goes everywhere, east, west, north, south. It's part of, of living in a huge city, yeah, so you always see something funny in the, in the S-Bahn. That's it's Berlin life. Just look at the plots of, of a Netflix series, whatever, of a 1950s movie. It's quite often that, that people are uh, getting to know each other by chance. And when? When people are waiting. So it's also a story. The, the ring band is also a story of Berlin. The ring band is a loop of train tracks around Berlin. It's made up of city rail lines, commonly called S-Bahn here. Hundreds of thousands of people travel on it every day. The Ringbahn wraps around Berlin in one infinite circle without a distinct start or end. And we're going to take you along on a ride. We'll explore why the Ringbahn is more than just a way to get from one end of Berlin to the other. We'll hear from a photographer, a local Ringbahn expert, and a researcher who looks at an aspect of public transport most of us probably overlook. And we'll talk to people who ride the Ringbahn all the time. I'm Nikki Matzen. I'm Monika Müller-Kroll. And I'm Sylvia Cunningham. The first stretches of the Ringbahn were built in the mid to late 1800s. These days, many people rely on the ring to get around. Hello, test, test, one, two, three, test, test. I'm about to meet a photographer who splits her time between Berlin and France. So, tell me who you are and where we are right now. Uh, so, I am Amma Split. And uh, now we are in a Zonenallee S-Bahn Ring Station in Berlin, Germany. <laughs> Amma Split got to know the Ringbahn through the lens of her analog camera, a Nikon from 1983. She and her partner, Ricky Kiwi, are the co-authors of a photo book called Hundekopf, the Berlin Ringbahn. Hundekopf, it means in German uh, a dog's head. Because when you see it on a map, when you take the metro's map for the, the tourist, it's just like a circle. But when you see it for real, it really has a, a dog's head shape. Like I, you can draw a, an eye and maybe a, a, a mouth. <laughs> and so we said, yeah, that's really nice to, to call it uh, by, by its name, Hundekopf. Some people call it uh, like this. Yeah, yeah, so the ears are around Landsberger Alley. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the nose is a West End, Jungferneide. And then maybe the eyes would be in Westhafen, Wedding. Uh -huh. mm. Yeah, now it's, uh, it's really nice to me because I see it like a real dog. So I have some kind of sympathy for him. Like, what? I'm riding the dog, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a little bit crazy. <laughs> there are 27 stops on the Ringbahn. And over six weeks one spring, Amma Split and Ricky Kiwi photographed them all. They had rules, like only one roll of film per person per stop. That's 36 photos each. And when we decided to go, when we said, okay, today we go, if it was rainy, we had to go. If it was very sunny, we had to go. No, no okay, let's go tomorrow. No, we did it. And so we, we stopped in each uh, station and we said, OK, we stayed a few hours, not a lot. And just uh, capture the, the feeling around the station, uh, around the neighborhood, the, the people, what they are doing, strange things that we see or funny things. 
One of the stops in the western part of the city is called Hallenzee. It's at the foot of Kudam, one of Berlin's most famous boulevards. Yeah, you, you can see all the people, like if you were in a, in a little town in Germany, drinking beer, and, uh, and yeah, you do two, two steps from the station of the S-Bahn, and you have these big houses with the green, with the garden, and you say, it's like being in, yeah, a family in the countryside, but you are in the, the capital of, uh, of Germany. That small town feel and drinking beer, there's one photo in Hunderkopf in particular that shows just that. Amma recalls how she captured the moment. I was like, oh, there is a wall there. Let's see what there is behind this wall, because it was near the, 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 the train railway. So I said, maybe I can see the S-Bahn in another point of view. And then I was like climbing the wall with my camera and I popped up and I saw all these old people, like there are four people. They are sitting in a, in a bench with beers. And it's a, it, behind this wall, it's a bar, and it's the, the terrace of a bar, and they are just drinking their beer. And they saw me, and they were like, oh, what, what is this? What is this little face popping up behind this wall? And I was like, hello, uh, I'm sorry, with my bad German. And they were like, oh, you are French. Oh, and then, oh, good, France, France. And I said, can I take a picture? And they were like, yeah, sure. And they put the, the, the thumbs up to, to say, yeah, do the picture. And then I did this picture with these men that are laughing, very happy <laughs> at the sun, drinking beer. Amma Split and Ricky Kiwi encountered a number of these everyday moments as they traveled clockwise on the ring. Their photo book, Hundekopf, is proof of what you can capture if you only take a little time to look around. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, I'm Nikki. I'm with KCRW Berlin. We're an English language radio station. Yeah. And we're just talking about the Ringbahn. Yeah. Um, can I just ask if you use the Ringbahn regularly? Yes, every morning and every afternoon going to work. Yeah. And you live here? Yes. Okay. Do you use the Ringbahn? Benutzt du die Ringbahn? Yes. How old are you? Wie alt bist du? Six. Six years old. Okay. And yeah, what is the significance of the Ringbahn for your daily life and as part of your neighborhood? Um, that it's usually causes trouble you're late um, because something's happening so yeah it's never boring uh, it's frustrating but never boring i agree it's not boring on the ringbahn let's hear from some more berlin residents about their daily commute so you see a lot right yeah <laughs> i do see a lot uh, what's the the fun stuff you see for example this morning i was going to work and uh, there were this guy that he was like huge, massive, with a lot of muscles, a lot of tattoos, bold, with his uh, headphones, dancing, sitting down, and all the people we were like going to work, and I was like, oh my god. Do you ever like ride around and around? Have you ever no. done? No, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I'm from LA, so I think anything here in Berlin, like with tr transportation, I think is like very efficient and good, so. Uh, now yeah, I am waiting uh, span. Uh... And you just come off work? 
Yeah. What did you do? Uh, in hotel. Hotel. Okay. Yeah. So you tired now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were you listening to before we Listen? approached you? Yeah. What were you listening to? What music? No, I, wa- I watch uh, mo- uh, program. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Program in Arabic. Ah, okay. Yeah. Where are you from? Uh, Damascus, Syria. Yeah. We'll check in with some more passengers later, but first I'm meeting up with somebody who's a bit of an expert on Berlin's history and public transportation. In fact, he's been writing Wikipedia articles about it since he was 14. He's a 29-year-old born and bred Berliner. He kind of has a thing for the Ringbahn. Hi, I'm Cornelius Kibelke and I'm an aficionado of urban rail transit in Berlin and I write a lot of Wikipedia articles about it. And at the moment we are in front of the Essen U-Bahn station Schönhausallee in the neighborhood of Prenzlauer Berg in Berlin. Tell me why you have such an interest in public transportation in Berlin. (laughs) You see a lot of history in, in our public transport because Berlin's history is rich in terms of what happened and like the, the, you can see two world wars you can see uh, hyperinflation in, in the 20s you can see the, the rise of fascism in this public transport also you can see the division of Berlin and reunification you can see that everything in, in, in public transport and you see how it developed and where we still have gaps in our public transport system that's because of for instance the division of Berlin you can see that until today and I think that's pretty fascinating when the Berlin Wall went up in 1961, it cut the Ringbahn in two. But the Ring continued to be operated by East German railways, even in the western part of the city. That's why it became a political target for West Berlin politicians, because they said, oh, if you're using the S-Bahn in West Berlin, you're supporting the East German railways, and so that way you're supporting the East German politics, the East German politicians, and um, you're supporting the wall, basically. Passenger numbers fell. After years of negotiations, West Berlin won ownership of the lines in the West. But then, to everyone's surprise, the wall fell. The Ringbahn was eventually reconnected, but throughout these decades, Various underground and overground lines were built to bypass the political battles of a city split in two. Having grown up near a Ringbahn station, Cornelius's fascination with its history goes back to his childhood. Around the corner, basically, uh, was my kindergarten, my, my childcare. And we always crossed the bridge there, and we always stopped here, and we waved the, the S-Bahn driver. Uh, because it was pretty fascinating to see how all how these trains are were passing by, and I remember until today that the drivers were always waving back, yeah, and always smiling. There was <laughs> I thought that was pretty unique because I was creating a smile to someone and he was creating a smile for me. So that's actually yeah, it's my first child memory with Esban. How could they not smile? Yeah. <laughs> how old were you when you were able to ride the trains on your own to go visit a friend or something? Do you remember? Yeah, I, I did that when I was 10 or 11. My mom was pretty confident that I knew where I was going to and trusted me in a way, so I was, that wasn't a real problem. Yeah, I think. I think that's probably a common age still today in Berlin. Yeah, I think. It's when you look around. Okay, let's go get on the train. Yeah. 
Yeah, but people are sharing a space, yeah, independent of class or hierarchy or race or color, and everyone needs to use it because, as I said, it's the best way to go through the city. Yeah, one of the places where everyone comes together, regardless of which neighborhood they're yeah. from, <laughs> everybody gets on the Ringbahn at some point. In Berlin, you always get home. It's always there's always a bus connection, a train connection. Sometimes it's even quicker to get home by night than by day. What kind of people do we see on the train right now, and how would this look different? Let's say, um, I don't know, maybe 5 a.m. Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> more drunken people, more people that are listening to music loudly, and so on. And to get up. S42. Then outside, we pause. Yeah, here again on the bridge over the tracks, I could spend, I think, hours here and just watching the trains passing by and stopping and uh, people leaving the train and boarding the train. And I think it's super beautiful in a way. I don't know how many times Cornelius Kabelka has stood and just enjoyed trains going by. But I get the feeling he'll keep doing it for a long time to come. Yeah, we come in. It's Friday night, getting close to midnight. It's a little chilly, a little windy. Monica and I are talking to people whose nights are just getting underway. We start at Westhofen okay. Station. Just a few questions. Yeah. We get on board with Malta and Ria. Ria is wearing a blue fur coat. Yeah, we have uh, pretty much a lot of Ringbahn experience. And how is that? <laughs> okay, the classic Ringbahn event is falling asleep after going out. <laughs> and going round and round. And getting your phone stolen. Really? So that happened to you a couple of times? Uh, no, to me, never, but to almost all of my friends, actually. So it's the classic, because you have it in your hand and you drop it when you fall asleep, and someone just goes by and grabs it. Yeah, it's yeah. a classic. Uh, Wait, can you describe the fabulous coat you're wearing? Is this a going out staple? Um, yeah, totally. Um, it's a yeah. blue, like, I don't know, how, how do we describe it? So, so we describe it as... Um, <laughs> The Zofner Eisbär in German, which is the... The drunk, drunk polar bear. Yeah, the drunk polar bear. Uh, but blue means drunk in German. Like, uh, ich bin so blau. Yeah. I'm so drunk. Yeah. Nice. It's the yeah. perfect look. <laughs> we get out of the train at Prenzlauer Allee and we come across a few guys on their way home from a night playing cards. We, we, we just uh, meet him at the game store. Okay. This even... Yeah. Also diesen Abend. Das yeah. <laughs> Evening. Okay. And now he has some questions about the about the Ringbahn and he will. <laughs> this one S42 to Gesundbrunn and then in <laughs> into the U8. Yes, great. It's it's all documented. <laughs> and you just made two German friends. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've probably never seen them again, but they were but they were very nice to me. Yeah. Have you shared a beer tonight? No, no. we play cards tonight. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's your. Yes. Take oh. this to Gesundbrunn. Okay. Uh, but uh, thanks, nice meeting you. Yes. Bye. Bye. We part ways and wait for the next Have train. A nice night. And nice speaking night. of which, Monica, you talked to somebody who knows quite a bit about waiting. Yes, I did. Robin Kellermann. 
He is a PhD student, research assistant and lecturer at TU, the Technische Universität Berlin. He's interested in the cultural history of waiting, especially as it relates to mobility and public transportation. Robin lives close to the Ringbahn stop Schöneberg, so that's where I meet him. This is really unique, no? I mean, nothing yes. sounds like the Ringbahn in Berlin. I think Seoul or Tokyo or even Leipzig <laughs> and uh, Milwaukee, but each city has more or less its own soundscape when it comes to indicating if a train is arriving or closing its doors. So which direction do you want to go? Clockwise? We go <laughs> anti-clockwise. Okay. While we are waiting, we should talk about waiting because that's one of the topics you're really interested in. You say waiting is a stepchild of mobility. Yes, I think it is. Um, because there's one problem in, in the history of modernity. Because the history of modernity, um, in my opinion, has been narrated most prominently for good reasons with the terms of acceleration of progress but actually on the backside of these processes there is something which is very mundane and very <laughs> simplistic that um, millions of people and passengers had to wait for something like this for public transportation so and this has formed more or less a cultural practice but a practice which is very necessary to enter the train, but it has been neglected and ignored and overlooked in research and uh, also when it comes to transport planners. So it's kind of a stepchild. It has to be detested. It, it has to be avoided by any means. But when we look uh, um, at the actual intrinsic practice, <laughs> it's one of the most fundamental parts of, of, of our journey. And so there's a mismatch between the phenomenon and actually um, the perception of waiting. I mean, we're waiting all the time. It's it's nothing completely new, but the way we are waiting in transport is has created a new cultural practice, I would say. My job is especially to, to shed light on the historical evolution of this um, temporal phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And what was it like, let's say, in the 20s? Um, waiting at, uh, at the platform at the Berlin Ringbahn? Yeah, good question. Um, I would say it has already been quite stressful. <laughs> Mainly working class were using this, 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 this Ringbahn, especially in the 1920s. And I think the regime of machines and the time regime uh, was very much internalized already. And so time had become something critical, like 100 years earlier, time had not become so scarce. <laughs> it's, it's quiet here because we missed the rush hour. What do you think about the, the noise level? Were people louder then, maybe? Or maybe not. Or maybe they were quieter. They were louder, definitely. Uh, the Ringbahn had some two classes. Second and third class. There was no first class at the beginning. I mean, now we are since long, 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 long time, we have get rid of any class separation um, in public transportation, at least in Germany. Um, 
and uh, it was much louder because it was much more crowded. The people were smoking, people were drinking, people were, I mean, they're doing it still. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, <laughs> nothing has changed. When we look around, I mean, you barely see someone reading a newspaper. How has technology or the digital revolution changed our waiting pattern? Drastically. <laughs> still waiting previously in the long history of 150 years since the first railways has always been filled with uncertainty and this for the first time with new technologies with our smartphone has been diminished maybe it has been removed completely because we are aware of what's going on um, you see these real-time information systems that are indicating when a train is coming and psychologically if this would not mm -hmm. be there it makes a huge difference a huge difference. Psychology mm -hmm. has revealed how much we are overcharging our own estimation of, of time uh, with and without those systems. And so the question is, I mean, we're very productive all the time. Are we waiting any longer? Or do we really wait in the purest sense? I would say, I mean, that's an open question. I'm at the Ringbahn station Hermannstraße and I come across these four ladies. They are talking and laughing. I approach them by asking where they're from. Also, sie kommen nicht aus Berlin, Doch, wir, sind, wir steigen öfters mal irgendwo ein und fahren durch ganz Berlin. Ist egal, ob mit, äh, mit der Ringbahn oder... They are real Berliners. They say they like to get on any train. They do that quite often without a real destination and ride through Berlin. They are all retired and they have a lot of time on their hands. Today they are heading to the Estrell Hotel to have some coffee. I ask them about their relationship. And it turns out they are three sisters and a cousin. They do a lot of stuff together, <laughs> but they live all over Berlin. Jeder woanders, haben wir gerade festgestellt, ne? Sie Wilmersdorf, Wedding, Wedding, Reinigdorf, Spandau. They tell me that they keep an eye on their neighborhoods. They control the city. Sie kontrollieren die Stadt. Ja, genau. Jeder beobachtet seinen Bezirk. And then the Ringbahn arrives, and they leave, talking and laughing. Alles Gute für Sie. Okay, ja? Renate, Brigitta, Carola, Karin. Vielen Dank. Tschüss. Tschüss, Tschüss Ladies. <laughs> thanks for coming along with us on our ride on the Ringbahn. Special thanks to Amma Split, Cornelius Kibelka, and Robin Kellermann for sharing their insights and to all the travelers we met along the way. In Berlin for The Big Pond, I'm Sylvia Cunningham. I'm Nikki Matzen. And I'm Monika Müller-Kroll. Wunderbar Together. You've been listening to The Big Pond, a series of dialogues between Germans and Americans, coming to you from PRX and the Goethe Institute.